0: Hello, I'm Austin McCormick, and you're listening to The Covenant Podcast. The Covenant Podcast exists to discuss doctrine, theology, and the biblical worldview from a covenantal Baptist perspective. We pray that this resource will be edifying to you and glorifying to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Covenant Podcast today. I have a regular contributor to the Covenant Podcast, Brother Jimmy Johnson. If you want to hear about him, listen to previous episodes because we've already introduced him three times previously, but we are grateful to have him on the podcast today. He will be uh, giving us another uh, informatory, if that's even a word, introduction. Informative. Um, Informative. (laughs) Thank you, Pastor. He will be giving us an informative lecture via podcast over another particular Baptist, Abraham Booth. So can you tell us today about this particular Baptist, Abraham Booth?
1: Yes. Um, Well before Abraham Booth's death, he was known by many as the venerable Mr. Booth. Andrew Fuller, who actually had a little dispute with him towards the end of Abraham Booth's life called Abraham Booth, the first counselor of our denomination. So he was a man who is very much respected. Um, he was born in 1734 into an obscure family in a country village. Uh, his father taught him some, uh, like how to read and things like that, but he had hardly like any formal education. Um, most of his life from 1734 all the way to 1755 is kind of cloudy. Not much happened. He, he wasn't converted. His parents were members of the Church of England, but he wasn't all that involved. But in 1755, the Wesleys as well as George Whitfield started to have Some influence, or at least some people who they influenced, started to preach in the area that Abraham Booth lived in. And two men in particular who had been influenced by the Wesleys, meaning that they were Arminian, preached the gospel to Abraham Booth. And Abraham Booth professed faith and was baptized. And a general Baptist church was later formed, and he became a member of it. Shortly after his baptism, though, he he began preaching in that church that he was at, and, and and Grant, he was a young man, he was about twenty-one or twenty-two when this happened, he started preaching. He he in fact was reading the Bible and thought it was wrong that they they had these separate places where groups of believers were meeting that just had various itinerant preachers, so they actually planted these churches in these various areas and he became a pastor of one of those. General Baptist churches in 1758. He married Elizabeth Beaumar and started a school with her to earn extra finances. And shortly after writing a work attacking Calvinism, a poem actually against absolute predestination, uh, he began or became convinced of it shortly afterwards. And this was around 1758. And he In 1763 and 64, he became a particular Baptist, and a church was formed where he lived, and he began ministering there. In a series of sermons, he expounded his beliefs, and it became a book known as The Reign of Grace. It was published multiple times in Abraham Booth's lifetime, and it was widely circulated, even though he was kind of an unknown preacher But at first, he didn't publish it. It was just a series. It was after a man had read an unpublished copy of it that was distributed privately that it got published in public. And in 1768, after Prescott Street Church's pastor, that's a church in London, died, suddenly there were some members of Prescott Street that read The Reign of Grace and they shortly went and visited this country church to hear this man preach, who wrote this book that they were fond of, and they weren't disappointed. So they they had him come, he preached, he was voted in unanimously, and eventually ordained in 1769, and he would serve at that same church for 37 years at Prescott Street, I mean. And He was in his 30s when he went there. One of the most notable pastors that was in London during this time was John Gill, who was closing out his last few years of ministry at New Park Street. He would eventually have one of the most famous English preachers replace him, not replace him directly, but eventually fill the same pulpit as him, Charles Spurgeon. But John Gill was an older man at this time and would die shortly after Abraham Booth got there. But once he got to London, he, he was eager to learn more about the Bible, more about church history, so he got himself a tutor, and the tutor taught him Greek, um, taught him church history, and he was very greatly influenced by one of my favorite theologians, John Owen. It was his favorite author to read, so he read John Owen frequently, and he Rarely left the church that he was at. In fact, he he told a man that he he hardly ever left. He was preaching at that same church consistently. He helped support the Baptist Missionary Society, which I talked a lot about when we when we discussed Andrew Fuller. And he was a faithful preacher known to have a plain, easy to understand style. And what I found interesting in in my research of him, or or really just a testimony to how God used him, is that 452 people were baptized under his ministry at Prescott Church and he served there faithfully 37 years and died in 1804 so that's a snapshot of his life i'm i'm certain more things happened but that's just kind of a broad overview went from unconverted to armenian to calvinist particular baptist preacher so you mentioned a little bit about
0: andrew fuller can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about some controversies that he had during his ministry?
1: Yeah, Abraham Booth was a lot like Andrew Fuller in that he was unafraid to respond to theological controversies in his day, whatever they they might be, one of which was with Andrew Fuller. I'll talk about that in a moment, but Booth wrote over 30 books. There is a three-volume set that I believe is still in circulation that you can get of Abraham Booth's Works And there's also a modern set that's being produced, a modern critical volume that's being produced by Particular Baptist Press out of Springfield, Missouri. But one of the main controversies he dealt with was the antinomian controversy, which means anti-law or no law. And it, it was common among some in Abraham Booth's day to, to deny the continued validity of the law in the Christian life. So they would say something to the effect that the law has, the moral law has no ramifications upon the Christian. So the Ten Commandments, the Christian has nothing to do with them. Whereas Booth wrote a a book in which he he said that Christians are no longer under the moral law as a covenant of works, but instead as a rule of conduct after they have been saved by grace. So he he argued for the continued validity of observance of the Ten Commandments, including the Sabbath command. Another controversy he, he dealt with was the Sasonian controversy. Sasonians were anti-Trinitarians, um, somewhat Aryan in the sense that they denied the deity of Christ and also denied penal substitutionary atonement, which was a big staple in Abraham Booth's theology, much like Benjamin Keats, who I discussed earlier or in an earlier episode. Another controversy was the church order controversy, in which he he took up the defense of particular Baptist ecclesiology, arguing for, for credo baptism or believer or confessor baptism, and also against what was practiced in some churches as open communion, meaning that anybody could take of communion regardless of whether or not they had been baptized as a believer. He he believed that you had to have the proper order. You would be baptized, and then, and then after that, you could take of communion. He was a friend of William Carey's and, and supported the Baptist Missionary Society. He wrote letters to Carey um, several times. In fact, he introduced um, Carey to one of Carey's earliest teammates on the mission field. That teammate would eventually become a thorn in Carey's side for for various reasons, but William or er, Abraham Booth stuck by Kerry's side and, and, and continued to encourage him and and write him. Probably the the most confusing controversy that Abraham Booth was involved in was the Andrew Fuller controversy. Um, because from an outsider looking in, I, I think they spoke past one another more than they spoke to each other. But the the controversy had to do with Andrew Fuller's um, usage of American theologians during that time, and in particular, Jonathan Edwards's son, as well as a couple of other what would become known as New Divinity theologians who rejected penal substitutionary atonement and instead held to a governmental view, which means that in the atonement, Christ didn't actually pay the penalty for the elect, But instead, Christ's death was merely a demonstration of God's wrath against sin. It, it wasn't transactional in that sense, which Abraham Booth took great issue with. And Andrew Fuller, at times, in his most famous work, The Gospel Worthy of All Acceptation, adopted similar language to the New Divinity theologians. And even though elsewhere in Fuller's writings, you could tell that he still... Believed in penal substitutionary atonement, so they kind of spoke past one another. I mean, part of that could have had to do with their backgrounds. One was coming from a hyper Calvinist background, and the other one was coming from an Arminian background. So to hear a reject, or to hear people quoted who rejected particular redemption, like like the younger Edwards and and his comrades, it, it probably. Probably just kind of set off Booth and and may have even blinded him to exactly what Andrew Fuller was saying. But it it went both ways, and and Andrew Fuller still had a great respect for Abraham Booth, who was older than him, and they they really both seemed to disagree with one another respectfully. But it it was a confusing, confusing debate and a surprising debate for me when I I read the history because I see both of them as some of the most important figures during that, that period of time because you have um, an influential pastor in London in Abraham Booth that was defending, this, defending the missionary society as well as the, the free offer of the gospel while simultaneously holding to the doctrines of grace and a confessional theology. And then in Andrew Fuller, you have a country preacher. who He, he was still pastoring in a somewhat rural area outside London, but also was very influential in the sense they traveled all over the place gathering funds for, for the missionary society. So those would be the key controversies that William Booth was, or William Booth, I keep wanting to say William Booth, Abraham Booth. He, William Booth was, I believe, the founder of Sal- Salvation Army or something like that. That's okay, I mispronounced controversial
0: <laughs> <laughs> Whatever word I mispronounced earlier, that's, that's fine. fine. As we look at the
1: life of Abraham Booth, what applications can we make? Well, like with Andrew Fuller and Benjamin Keach, again, you just, what shines in these men that Austin has allowed me to discuss is that there is a need for faithful pastors that pastor in one location for a long time. I mean, Andrew Fuller as well as Benjamin Keach and then Abraham Booth all pastored at one church for over three decades. Each one of them pastored at these various churches for over three decades. Also, the need for disciplined pastors. I mean, Abraham Booth was not trained formally in any formal sense, but instead he sought out training. He, he worked hard. He taught himself Greek um, while he had a tutor, but he... he He had to go out and seek that on his own. He wasn't taught like many people were or like some in his day. Also, we learned the need for educated pastors in the sense that you don't need a formal education, but pastors who care about knowing the truth and and also honing in on their skills to communicate the truth to, to a broad array of people. Abraham Booth had the ability to write plainly, but also write deeply and uh, engage with some of the the intellectuals of his day, and and in my opinion, in reading both him and Fulwar, Abraham Booth is much easier to read than Andrew Fulwar. He's a much queerer writing that might get me in trouble with some of your listeners. I don't who who like Andrew Fulwar a lot, but I would say Abraham Booth is an easier person to to read personally. Um, Another key thing would be the importance of the law and gospel and understanding how they relate to one another, how for the unconverted, the law leads us to the gospel. It leads us to our own inadequacy. It, it condemns us and shows us our need for a Savior and how after we have been redeemed by Christ, we are then empowered and motivated to love and obey God's law. But there, there has to be, an understanding between both the distinctions and the relations between the law and gospel. And then lastly, I would just say the importance of free grace and what that means. And in the reign of grace, I've, I've been reading through it and over and over again, just the title itself, the reign of grace, r- grace is supreme in, in the life of the Christian. It, it is what reigns. It is what is preeminent it is the beginning and the foundation of our hope. And in that book, he actually goes through the order of salvation, beginning with election and just going through and showing how grace is supreme in each one of these these various aspects of our salvation. And he was a theologian of grace.
0: Well, Brother Jimmy has boldly said that Abraham Booth is clearer to read than in Andrew opinion. Fuller and his humble opinion, whatever you want to take and leave with that. But
1: say someone does want to read Abraham Booth,
0: where should they start, Brother Jimmy?
1: Well, The Reign of Grace, uh, I believe that's still in circulation. Um, the Death of Legal Hope is his his book against antinomianism. It's That one's fairly short. The Reign of Grace is actually a decent-sized book, The Death of Legal Hope, is is fairly accessible. I believe you can get it free from Chapel Library, uh, their little booklet. So, The Death of Legal Hope. Another one is the essay on the kingdom of Christ, and since we are on the Covenant podcast in the kingdom of Christ, Abraham Booth presents a, what appears to be, something that is very much in line with 1689 federalism or an understanding of particular baptist covenant theology in the sense that he he differentiates between the kingdom of israel and the kingdom of christ and how the kingdom of christ is a spiritual kingdom in which christ reigns supremely over the hearts of his people um, whereas the kingdom of israel was a temporary institution and and had a purpose to serve for a temporary period of time but does not Continue And in doing that, he's arguing against the church-state notion, but he does that from a covenantal perspective, which would be interesting for anyone who who is interested in covenant theology. And I believe you can get that one free, a free PDF online, through 1689 Federalism, the website. I believe they have that, that essay on there. It's called The Essay of the Kingdom of Christ. And then if you want a short biography of him, a Messenger of Grace by Raymond Arthur Coppinger is, is It's an accessible book. It's pretty short, I think, 150 or so pages, but it gives you an overview of his life and engages with some of the thought that Abraham Booth had. Brother Jimmy is
0: making my reading list very, very long. <laughs> Between Keach and Fuller and Booth now, I have a lot of reading to get done, but... Well. Just don't ask me on the podcast again. No, I'm just kidding. I I enjoy listening to the biographies of these particular Baptists. I think it's helpful for our audience and for anybody that wants to learn more about not only church history, but Baptist history, in particular, Baptist history. So, Brother Jimmy, thank you for taking your time to come on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Podcast. If you've enjoyed this resource or you simply like the Covenant Podcast, Head on over to our iTunes page, subscribe, and leave us a review. We are also available via Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, and Podbean. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Podcast. Grace and peace to you.